Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry? Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations that demystify, destigmatize, and desensitize what goes on both inside the therapy room and in daily life. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Logan. And we are seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. Every week, we sit down for soul-provoking conversations with fellow seekers, thought leaders, change makers, and even real people during live coaching sessions as they navigate the hard work it takes to be a human. This is Cheaper Than Therapy. We finally decided that we're going to do a long weekend retreat because everyone's been asking us and we just wanted to find the perfect place. So we did. Yeah. And I think it's nice because there's something about doing a four night, three day retreat that makes it a little bit more accessible to everyone when a full week away can be tough. Totally. And, you know, we really decided to do it this time on just so many of the themes that feel alive in our work with our clients and what the, you know, the conversations we're having in our group work with clients um, around the shift in what's happening right now in the collective. Yeah. And what's happening for women. And I think it's a really unique moment in history that we're living through. You see it in so many of the conversations that are happening with, you know, the success of the Barbie movie, the way we're really challenging these patriarchal structures that we talk about constantly and how much the level of discontent and, mm-hmm. um, knowing that something needs to change within my life, but what does that look like even knowing it, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of times people are coming to us in a therapeutic setting and they're telling us that they're feeling, you know, overwhelmed, resentful, disillusioned with their life, disconnected, right? That they're struggling to really identify kind of what is theirs and what is social programming, that they want something different and bigger from their lives, but they're not really sure like how, what does that look like and how do I get there? Right. Yeah. So we want to create a long weekend where we're going to give you some of the tangible tools that we have incorporated into our own lives that we're working with and the clients that we work with and really what it looks like to start to embody the rise of the feminine principle that we know this moment in history was sort of prophesized to be about for all of us, right? Hell yeah. So we're also going to walk away really understanding what it means um, to envision our life with 
a real authentic sense of clarity, with purpose, with aliveness. We're going to have no apologies here, right? We're going to also break down some of the limiting beliefs and where they come from, right? So we're going to get into the upbringing component. Um, why and where is all of this highly codependent, patriarchal, misogynistic kind of, um, you know, approach to life? Like, why are we carrying this, right? It's really important for us to understand and break that down. Yeah. So we're calling it the return of the sovereign feminine. It's going to be in Malibu, California at the most beautiful estate, January 18th through 21st. And we're just really excited about this one. It feels really close to our hearts. Yeah. So you can click on either of our bio links on Instagram or social, um, or you can go to my website, vanessabenna.com backslash retreats, and you can check out all information there. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. So today we are talking to Catherine. Uh, Catherine, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you want us to talk about today? Um, Yeah. So I have been um, sort of eagerly consuming content from you and Danae um, and also John for Mm -hmm. a few months now. And, um, you know, I was very aware of being someone who had anxious attachment. Um, But through listening to all of your content, I also started to really recognize the codependency Mm -hmm. um, and how, you know, often those things I think go together. Um, I loved the explanation of like, if you're okay, I'm okay. If you're not okay, I'm not okay. And it resonated so deeply because I realized how much of the time I am not okay because someone else is not okay Mm -hmm. or how often I will even go further than that and project onto someone else. Maybe they're not okay. And then I'm also not okay. (laughs) (laughs) And so I definitely wanted to go further into you know, some of the ideas of codependency. I am not currently in a relationship. Um, I had a recent breakup, uh, probably at the end of August. It was a short relationship, but it was kind of, you know, whirlwind. And it was an amicable breakup, but we cannot separate. We don't have any like children or anything like that. It was just like a short relationship. Yeah, for example, um, you know, we work in the medical field. Um, and so we're on the floor together and, uh, you know, he might end up, we have to be there very, very early in the morning, but then like, he might show up like 20 minutes late and the entire time I'm like worried. And then because Mm -hmm. he was late once, you know, there are other times where 20 minutes before we were going to at work, I'm worrying, should I call him? Should I make up, make sure he's awake, you know, like Mm -hmm. make sure he's not late. And, you know, or if he is missing something, you know, he forgot something, then I'm, you know, walking around the unit trying to find that thing for him that he was supposed to have. Hmm. And again, sometimes it's conscious and I'll stop myself and I'll be like, he's actually fine. Like he'll Hmm. figure this out and he'll be fine in five minutes. I don't have to do this for him. And I don't do it because I'm like longing to be in relationship with him anymore. You know, we've moved past that. And what we have is an amicable friendship but I just realize sometimes that I can't even focus on my own work if he's in the room, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm worrying. And then if I see that he's doing okay, sometimes I, I'll relax. I'll be like, he doesn't need me to 
parent him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think sometimes I want to parent him. You know, it's a carryover from the dynamic we had in our relationship, which wasn't super healthy. Mm-hmm. And I'm just conscious, I guess, of of how much I do that. And I'm it's distracting and it's kind of exhausting, you know, to to be worrying about somebody else like that all the time. And so that's where I come back to my own codependency. He's not asking for this. He doesn't need it. It's created within my own mind completely. Mm. So, you know, I, I consider that codependent. I mean, that mm. seems to fall into that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what you think. <laughs> I kind of want you to finish the sentence. So you said, I want to parent him. Mm-hmm. Do you have a sense of the because? Why do you think? Well, I I know where we're going with this. I want to be needed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to feel like he needs me. And there was a little part of his underfunctioning that perhaps made me feel like he needed me. And mm-hmm. if I didn't step in, you know, or like that's not even the let's not say if he didn't step in, that just the fact that he needed me meant that 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 he wouldn't be able to leave me. Right. Or he'd have to keep me close by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I so that goes back, breath. I guess, to the attachment, <laughs> the anxious attachment. And that is, there's yeah. a big breath in that because there's like, I feel um, sort of a visceral response in my body, even as you say that, because there's just so much compassion for the part of you that doesn't want to be left and that feels mm. like, this is how I secure attachments. This is how I keep people in my life. I make myself useful, right? Um, mm-hmm. And that says like something about like a historic way that the little girl in you learned how to keep mm-hmm. herself safe in the world. And mm-hmm. I think it really becomes important to hold space for her and what is coming up for her. And you said, you know, I'm so focused on him a lot of times in these moments that I'm not thinking about me. And I think it becomes really mm-hmm. coming back into my body and what is happening inside of me in those moments? Like he's not here. He's late for work. What is the Mm -hmm. story I'm telling myself about what will happen? What do I imagine will happen if he's not here? Where do I feel that in my body? Mm -hmm. Like um, really bringing myself back into the moment comes mindfulness work around how do I stay present with me, with that little girl Mm -hmm. who who really actually needs me in those moments that I'm wanting to tend to him. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a little bit of a way that we self abandon and, tend to other people so that I don't have to stay present with the fear that it brings up within me about being left, you know? It's a little bit of the addiction, right? I mean, that that is the mm-hmm. the addictiveness of codependent behaviors is that you do the thing, you act out the thing, you do the behavior in order to run away from the icky feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like any addiction, right? So when I'm in the space of what Danae is speaking to, which is I'm uncomfortable and I don't know why, and I'm obsessively thinking and like, where is he and why is he late? And I'm in that state. If I get present and mindful with like, oh, there that is again, the tendency of the kind of, of the being of the body, like that, that addictive pull is to do a thing. Because if I do a thing, Mm -hmm. I won't have to feel this, right? But what Danae is saying is, no, 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 you don't get to do the thing. Come back to the feeling. And can you be present and breathe into, my hands are sweating, my stomach is clenching, I have a knot in my throat, my mind is racing, um, and and just be, just allow it, just breathe into it. Um, enough times of doing that, we start to kind of 
teach or rewire our, our brains to know that we don't have to do something. It's we're safe in being in the discomfort. The discomfort isn't actually going to kill us. Right. Um, you know, when we're little, we need those attachments for survival. And so we learn really early on, we will do anything we need to do maladaptive or not in order to keep those attachments because we literally need them. Right. But then that is what becomes like our norm. And so now he were, here we are as grownups who don't actually need that specific attachment to survive, but we're still acting as if we do, mm -hmm. right? And so going back to that little girl that Danae is speaking to, that little girl is the one that's uncomfortable and, and is wanting to make that discomfort go away. And so we got to tend to her. We got to come back and be still and, and be present with her feelings in order to not, you know, make it go away. Mm-hmm. What feelings okay, this is this is this is good actually. I like what you're saying. So if I think back to the little girl, I'm not sure what she needs, I guess. Like we know that she's not I mean it's it's me, right? So it's trying to step away from the worry with him and check back in. But I'm I'm not sure what, I mean, I guess at the basic core level, I'd say I need love. I'm not going to get it from him. I'm not going to really get it from anyone at the moment, but is that sort of just trying to send self-love or would like, I guess, what does she need in that moment? What, what, how do I take it back? I mean, in the moment I could just say, sure, focus on your own work. I'm at work. I have things to do. I'm a nurse, by the way. I don't know what that says, but I just love sort of spending all day taking care of other people. <laughs> Field of um, codependence. <laughs> but <laughs> game recognized game V. Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing greater. There's there's nothing greater than spending a full 12 hours being exhausted caring for others and not having any time to think about myself. Uh -huh. <laughs> Talk Eat, about pee, none of it, right? Oh, I know. Y'all are some of my biggest clients, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> when I heard you know, the healers, I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, here, here's what I yeah. will say too. I, I get what you're saying about I don't know what that little girl wants and and that is real. I mean, or needs when you were a little girl, by the way, and you were in those moments, mm. um, you didn't know what you needed then either because you shouldn't actually have needed mm. to know what you needed. That actually mm. wasn't your job when you were a little girl. As a matter of fact, it was actually mm. the jobs of our caretakers to contain us in our moments of discomfort, big emotions, overwhelm, and say, I've got you. You're safe. What you need is containment, love, soothing, whatever the thing is, right? We need attuned parents, caregivers to be able to do that. Because here's what, when we're little, our nervous systems, we, they're not really fully developed. And so we borrow our nervous systems from our caregivers, right? And so if our nervous, our, our caregivers rather, when we're overwhelmed, when we're uncomfortable, when we're anxious, um, aren't attuned and present and able to kind of allow us to borrow from them a state of groundedness, a state of you're safe, a state of you've got this, I've got this for us. We, what we learn is people who are listening, who can't see me, I, I'm kind of just like flailing around, right? It's a feeling of, of not being not contained. And, and when we're young, 
that feels a little bit like we might die, honestly. I mean, this is so much of the work of parenting. Like I think about my three-year-old when she has these meltdowns and um, my job is not to fix it for her. My job is to say to her, you're really overwhelmed right now. You know, she was going to school this morning. She was, she said she was nervous to go in. Okay. You're nervous right now. What does that feel like in your body? You know, okay. Do you need a hug? What do you need from me right now? Like you want me to hold you? Right. But I'm not there to fix it or solve it for her. So that's like kind of my long winded way to say like, you don't really need to know what it is that that little girl needs. What you need to just do is just be and be present with and hold space for discomfort, dis-ease, stomach clenching, heart racing, right? Um, and not go into like fixation mode, if that helps. Yeah. The other thing I want to add to what you're saying, V, because I think that's really important in terms of what you're asking, Catherine, is I think most people did not have that parent and 100%. our parents did not have that parent. And so or you know, we're a society of people that are really like we've normalized living our lives from the outside in versus mm-hmm. the inside out. And I don't sort of do that work of tending to my inner little girl first. We're very raised to be codependent and keep ourselves safe by keeping the world around us under what we imagine is like the illusion of control. Now, in the moments, as you're saying, moment to moment, how do I do that? It becomes, I got to start telling myself a different story about what's going to happen if I don't control the situation. I say this often, one of the most profound things a therapist ever said to me in couples therapy was like, my husband could have a difficult emotion and I didn't have to fix it for him. And I was like, what? (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) Like, I don't have to fix it. I just let him be mad at me. Like, what are you saying? Right. And it feels so obvious. And yet at the time it was like, so he just gets to be over there stewing in his anger and I don't have to do anything about it. Okay. And really tuning into like what I am robbing that person of in terms of their own process, in terms of their own ability to like get into the practice of self-soothing. But if I bring the focus back to me, you know, something Vanessa says all the time, which I think is really important is codependency work is identity work. And so it's not like any of us know what that inner child needs. We start to build a relationship with that inner child and tune into what would feel good right now, what would feel soothing. Um, And that can be like, just like a process of discovery. I literally Mm -hmm. go back and have gone back for my little girl at the point when I realized she started to detach from her needs and started like outsourcing her sense of safety. And I was like, okay, what was she doing? Right? Like Mm. she was in her room. She used to like love to listen to musical theater. And so I like would do those things to like bring myself back into relationship with her and start to like cultivate a sense of self from that jump off point. It's like, okay, this feels good. I remember what it feels like to feel good with and by myself. What else Mm -hmm. would you like little Danae? What else would feel good to you? But Mm -hmm. I don't think we know. We start to go back and get into relationship with her you know? Mm-hmm. So much there. I need to bottle what both of you just said and hold on to it and listen to it tomorrow, <laughs> the next day. <laughs> um, what you just said, Vanessa, about as a child, you're not supposed to know what you need mm. was amazing. Actually, I started to get a little teary eyed, like, you know, for those who can't see what's going on here. Um, I felt that um, only, you know, I remember a while back watching someone, a father parenting 
a two-year-old who was having a very difficult time. And I observed him stopping in the moment and being present for her and kind of explaining back to her what she was feeling. It was like Mm -hmm. storybook beautiful. Hmm. And it was the first time in my life where I realized, wow, no one ever did that for me. Mm-hmm. No one ever got down on my level, Mm-mm. you know, and my parents loved and adored me. I'll just put it that way. It's like I wasn't short on love in their way, but they were also absent a lot. And so I was very much that latchkey kid. I was raising myself. And so I spent a lot of time alone and I am comfortable with my own company, but just in the last few years, I have felt a sense of loneliness that I had never really experienced. And that is something else that I've been sort of struggling with. Like, it's just been me and me all this time, years and years, and we were good. But now for the first time, I'm starting to feel like almost tired of my own company, Mm. (laughs) you know? So I don't know. That's that's something else I think is that 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 codependency. As soon as I think there's a potential in a relationship, I jump so fast into it because it's like, oh, here's somebody who, you know, can save me from being alone all the time with myself. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't feel good. And the other person can sense that. So that's that's something that, you know, that I have to kind of sit with as well and just sort of recognizing it's mm-hmm. it's harder in the moment. Right. I love a lot of the the things that that you both say on a regular basis. I'm listening and I have so many of these moments where it'll hit me almost like I'll have like a few tears in my eyes. I'll be like, that's right. (laughs) That's exactly it. Um, And then also what you were just saying, Danae, you know, with with your therapist sort of telling you that you don't have to do anything. That is so hard. I (laughs) recognized only recently that. I remember saying to myself in my own head, he's allowed to be in a bad mood. He is allowed to be in a bad mood, right? Like just walk away and let him be in a bad mood and don't assume it's your fault. But it's so hard because I do this whole thing. It's like, he's mad at me. I did something. He doesn't love me anymore. He doesn't want to be with me today. He doesn't like me. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's torment. And even in my own mind, I'm trying to kind of calm myself down and say like he's allowed to just be in a bad mood it's not my job to Mm -hmm. fix it and yet I want to but Mm -hmm. I think that you know I think I've heard you guys talk about this before too it's like asking what the motivation is right like am I really so concerned about making him feel better or am I just so uncomfortable that I need to lift this discomfort off my body you know a little bit of both That's a really important point because you brought up something that I was thinking about how often it comes up with clients that are parentified children, meaning um, I really had to to do a lot of my own taking care of myself and that thing Mm -hmm. of like being a latchkey kid and like, I know how to be alone. I've been alone, right? Mm -hmm. And what ends up happening, I find a lot of times in adulthood is we're like just, and this is all of the things that we experienced Mm -hmm. in childhood that are hard that we don't want to like experience again, but we're just defending so hard against the being alone that a lot of Mm -hmm. times we're we're sort of objectifying people and we're like, mm-hmm. like you're, you're describing a little bit. I'm not actually in relationship with this person. I'm in mm-hmm. relationship with like the defense against being alone. And so let me just mm-hmm. keep him here. Right. The potential and in, for them to save me. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And in that, that's not really about him. And so it's like, 
it's tough, right? Because we do need people and we do need connection, but we also need to be able to be in our bodies and be present with the people that we're in connection with. And some of that still becomes an inside job that I can't outsource. And so it's like, when I want someone to save me, when I want to reach for someone to like make this discomfort go away, that's still a time that I need to practice doing some of that self-soothing. That's still a time that I need to like really be in relationship with myself about what that's bringing up. Because if it's always someone else that I need to make this discomfort go away, then I will start to use them as a pacifier and I won't actually be in that relationship with them. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I experienced a lot of that uh, almost inability to self-soothe. Not even almost. It It was sitting at home desperately wanting to sue to be soothed not knowing how to do it not like looking in every corner of my brain to figure out how can i just make myself feel better because a this other person isn't here b i can only ask so many times for his attention and if he's not available he's not available you've got to let it go right but still feeling like nothing is going to make it feel better you know it's like what you know in in today's world where we're texting like feeling like nothing is going to make me feel better until i hear the ping on my phone which is his response just anything say anything and it's it's i'm not saying we're in a fight or anything it's just mm-hmm. me being in a moment of loneliness craving the connection so badly and and just not being able to find my center mm-hmm. until it comes from him right that's external And that is the hardest thing. I experienced so much of that in the last three or four months and just being aware of it, being like, I don't seem to know how to do this. I can't find inside my own mind the thing that soothes me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to just bring attention to some of the words you use because this is what strikes me constantly about relationships. It's what Vanessa Mm -hmm. was saying. They are so similar to the cycles of addiction, the way you're talking Mm -hmm. about craving, the way you're talking about the exhale. When I hear the ping, like you get a visceral Mm -hmm. feeling Mm -hmm. of it. It is an Mm -hmm. addictive behavior. Um, And so it becomes like one of the most profound things that we learn in recovery becomes there is no feeling that will kill me. But until I learn to ride the waves of the difficult feelings, I don't know Mm -hmm. that. Like I can't, it's not an intellectual thing. I got to have the felt sense of that didn't kill me. Mm -hmm. And so the only way out is through, I got to stay with myself through all of the the waves of emotion that come up without using that person to soothe it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can't have. The I don't know how to do him. it yet. <laughs> I, that, yeah, I love. I yeah, that's oh gosh, that's such a good point to put it in that addiction frame. I just because we, I heard you say addiction earlier, Vanessa, and I, I kind of connected, but then I didn't know. I was like, oh sure, I'm addicted to a, a behavior, but that was that was the connection that remembering in my own mind how it feels literally just hear the ping of the phone haven't even read the message yet don't know what's in there but i know that it's a response and it is it's like it released all the happy hormones in my body and i i relaxed and that is absolutely addiction and i mean i guess that's something to to think about (laughs) well and also what a blessing 
that this relationship, this person came into your life? Because it sounds like mm. there's been so much awareness that's happened for you over the last mm -hmm. few months. Um, uncomfortable awareness, right? Mm -hmm. But awareness mm -hmm. nonetheless of a lot of patterns and things that have just come to the surface for you. Um, and it seems like you're really being provided an opportunity to kind of peel that onion and peel that next layer. Um, and you know, listen, this idea of staying with yourself, no one is saying also that like, you have to just sit there and stare at your phone and feel the wave. Like I, I kind of love sometimes John will use that term, like out of your house, out of your head. Um, there's nothing, there's no reason why you can't just go for a hike, you know, like do something where you have to actually move your body too. I think we discount often how important it is for us to get out of our heads and into our actual physical bodies, right? Because to Danae's point, it's not a thought thing. It's not a, I'm going to think my way out of this. I'm not going to find it in my mind, actually. You know, you kept saying, I'm trying to find in my mind the thing that soothes me. Mm. It's not in your mind. It's not. Mm. It doesn't live there. It actually lives in your body. Mm -hmm. And so it might be an indicator for you when you're in that state that I need to get up and out. I got to do something that requires movement and connection to my physical self um, so that I'm not on that hamster wheel, just ruminating the whole time. Yeah. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And I think we are, we're just such a heady kind of society. You know, we think everything has to be solved in our mind. And, and so, so often when people start getting into their body, um, they're shocked at just like the layers upon layers that, that get unlocked that way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good point. That's a good I like point. to suggest, sorry. <laughs> no finish. I was just agreeing that, yeah, you know, getting out, taking the walk, going to a yoga class, mm -hmm. going to the gym, anything. I feel like, uh, not to genderize this, but I think it's like a thing that I hear from men so often is that like they go to the gym, they sweat, they do that. I'm like, I'm not the most athletic person. I'm, I'm much more of a homebody, but I have my own routines and my own things that I like. And so I think exactly what you said, it's, it's not really in the head. And I'm somebody who has learned meditation over the last 10 years. And I turn to that a lot. And then sometimes mm -hmm. the problem is that if you meditate too much, you just go further and further and further into your head. So um, acknowledging where else it might be in the body and, and getting out and moving is, is probably a really prescriptive um, idea. <laughs> yeah. But I like to have my clients have a toolkit for when anxiety comes. So it's like, if we know mm -hmm. that it is like inevitable, that it will come to the surface, like, where is my toolkit? So when it's there, it's like, okay, what do I need? Maybe I need to go for a hike. Maybe I need to go outside, put my feet in the grass. Maybe I need to sweat. Maybe I need to go take a shower and get like a sensory experience of something different. Maybe I need to take a class, whatever. But I have like, these are my go-tos. I <laughs> like, like 10 mm -hmm. to 15 things. So like, this is what I do when the anxiety comes. And those are part of riding the wave. It's mm -hmm. to Vanessa's point. It's not that I just like sit there and allow myself to continue ruminating. I do something that brings an alchemical shift within my body. Wow. I mean, you guys have given me so much to kind of sit with. I appreciate it so much. Um, I have to like, go journal, <laughs> write down a few things you said before I forget them, you know, go back Do to it. it tomorrow and the next day. Mm. Do it. Well, we really appreciate you coming on. I think this is going to be a really helpful episode for a lot of people mm. actually. So thank you for being vulnerable and sharing. Wonderful. Wonderful. I hope it's, um, 
I hope the wind chimes didn't <laughs> ruin too much. <laughs> no, I appreciate okay. you both so much and this community and, um, and John as well. I've just, you know, over the last six months have consumed so much. Um, and, you know, that became a form of self-soothing as well, mm. but that's not really self-soothing. <laughs> that was actually a form of avoidance from, I guess, the other form of soothing I was looking at, but it's been <laughs> helpful at least sure. in that it was productive. I could, you know, listen to a podcast and, try and understand what was you know behind the intense emotions but it's a bridge just really really yeah just really grateful to you both for the community that you've created and for making space for us and you know giving us all a space to kind of come together and realize that it's not just us that it is a lot of a lot of us that are Mm -hmm. dealing with the same things thank you Catherine well we will see you Mm -hmm. in the community as a matter of fact. Yes, of course. <laughs> Keep us close as well. Have a great doing, rest okay? of your day. You of course. Have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye. All right, love. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us more, find us on Instagram at Cheaper Than Therapy, the podcast. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.